This morning we're going to write down some praises to God in just a little while. We're going to lift to God our highest praise. We're going to praise the Lord. For some, the language of praise may be unfamiliar. To praise is to laud somebody worthy of being honored. To praise is to extol somebody for who they are, their attributes. To praise is to speak highly of someone. We take new ground when we learn to praise the Lord. We take back ground the enemy has taken when we praise the Lord. We silence the enemy when we learn to praise the Lord. We also confuse the enemy when we praise the Lord. We need to learn the language of praise. How good it is to sing praises to our God. You know, you cut away the veil and you peer into the throne room of God, Revelation 4. And there you see that God is being praised and lauded, extolled forever. And the creatures around the throne are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and is to come. And the 20 and 4 elders, the same scene, casting their crowns before God, saying, You are worthy, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. How good it was for the children of Israel to sing praises to God when God delivered them from Egypt. How good it was for the daughters of Israel to sing praises to God and play their tambourines when David conquered over Goliath. How good it was for the people of God to come into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. How beautiful it was for Paul and Silas to sing praise to God in that midnight hour. How fitting and pleasant it is for God's people to praise him. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God. That's how we're to awake in the morning, singing praise to God, driving late at night in our cars, giving thanks to Him. To praise the Lord when you see the sun rising. It's just not another day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and give Him praise. To praise the Lord for His great compassion. To praise the Lord for His goodness and generosity, to praise the Lord for his tender mercies, to praise the Lord for blotting out our sins, his grace, for praise the Lord for providing all we need, his provision, to praise the Lord for listening to and answering our prayers according to his will, to praise the Lord for being with us in all of our trials. That's why Isaiah would say, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you pass through the fire, you walk through the fire, and that's where many of you are now, is walking through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. How good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting it is when God's people begin to praise Him. Praise begins when we become attentive to God's goodness and generosity to us. And gratitude begins to well up within inside of us. And it cannot be contained. We begin to praise Him. For ultimately, we are not a producer. And we are not a consumer. We are not a worker. We are recipients. Because we have received from God... In our souls, we really want to praise Him. 
It seems that America is covered with a cloud of darkness. It's even worked its way into the weather report. You know, the news themselves seem now about murder and robbery, adultery. But even the weatherman's gotten negative. When it's going to be a beautiful day, he'll say it's going to be partly cloudy. That's another way of saying it's going to be mostly sunny. We become so focused on the negative things. We need to learn to praise the Lord. So what does God delight in? We're going to pull this out, verse 11. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Have you ever been somebody's delight? They delight in being with you. They delight in spending time with you. They delight hearing your stories. They say, they say stuff like, I like hanging out with you. You breathe life into me. You make me a better person. You really sharpen me. There is a person who gives Abba delight, who gladdens his heart, who makes him smile. The scripture declares here that the Lord delights in those who fear him. Fear the Lord, Psalm 34, you his saints, for those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. No good thing will God withhold from those who fear him. The fear of the Lord is to look up to the Lord with respect or to look out for his judgment. The Lord delights in those who fear him. I remember the early days when I would come home and my children were delighted I'd come home. They would launch from wherever they were and come running to me. But now my children are largely gone and I'm left with my dog, Schnick. And Schnick delights in my presence. Debbie's been gone the last three days and Schnick last night wanted to sleep with me again. Don't tell Debbie, but the last three nights Schnick has been sleeping with me. Now hear, O Israel, what does the Lord ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? To fear the Lord is to put the Lord in the highest place, to give him the highest praise, to bow down to him, to honor him and respect him. And the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Our hope is not in our government, our hope is not in the promises of the politicians. Our hope is not in our education. Our hope is not in our wealth. Our hope is in his unfailing love. Hope is our confidence, that which is sure and secure, that which cannot be taken from us. We put our hope in God's unfailing love. This is the word hased, the word for covenant love, often translated the loving kindness, the fierce, unrelenting love of God that cannot be broken. Mighty, um, many waters cannot destroy this kind of love. And this is the kind of love God loves you with. So our prayer is, Lord, may your unfailing love fall onto me from heaven. May our head be drenched with the dew of your unfailing love. May the heavens release and pour out your unfailing love unto us. May we bask in your unfailing love. May we be able to grasp just a little bit of how much you love us. So with this concept, 
He begins to praise the Lord in verse 2. He says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers the exiles of Israel. The Lord himself is a builder. History will attest to Jerusalem's sin of not listening unto the prophets, of not following the living God, of bowing down to false gods. History will also attest to Jerusalem being besieged and surrounded, attacked, crushed, and dismantled by the enemy. But history will also attest to God's unfailing love for his people and for the city. For with Zerubbabel, they rebuilt the temple. And with Nehemiah, they rebuilt the walls. And you may be saying, Pastor R, my life now feels besieged or surrounded or attacked. It may feel as if I've been destroyed or crushed. But I tell you that God can reconstruct your life. He can restore what the locusts have eaten. The Lord can restore a man or a woman. The Lord can rebuild a city. The Lord can rebuild a nation. And the Lord can rebuild a life. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And you are his church. And the Lord is building your life up. A young woman this week gave her testimony. Her mother brought her to here to Mom's Day Out. And she was tenderly taken care of by our Mom's Day Out workers when she was a little girl. Then through most of her elementary years and middle school years, she was not involved with any church. Then in her high school, one of our students invited her, her to come. And she came off and on for about four years. At the youth retreat, Pastor Eric was talking about hell and the darkness of being separated from God. This girl has an innate fear of darkness. And in that retreat, she went into a cave. In that cave, she experienced a darkness unlike she'd ever experienced. And there she was in the presence of others. And she was holding on for dear life, digging her fingernails in. And one of our students led her out of the cave, out into the light. And the dots began to be connected in her life between coming into the light and out of darkness, coming out of shame and guilt and into freedom in Jesus Christ. And on youth group, not long ago, about a week ago, she was talking about where she was, and Pastor Eric said to her, you know, you need to trust in the Lord. Your next step is you need to trust in the Lord. And here was one of these students who took this step of faith, and God is adding to his church. God is building his church. You see, the Lord rebuilt Jerusalem, and the Lord is building his church. And we are the exiles that God is drawing back and returning. And he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. When Jesus walked upon this earth, he was the good physician. He knew the true condition of mankind. Like a vase that's beautiful yet broken, he saw us in our brokenness for what we really were. He had compassion toward the brokenness, broken people. Just remember how tenderly he healed the brokenness of the woman beside the well. How tenderly he dealt with Peter when he felt like such a failure. He healed their broken hearts. He bound up their wounds. He was the original doctor without borders. <laughs> we praise the Lord that he's not only a builder and a rebuilder, the Lord is a healer. 
One summation of the life of Jesus that Peter gave in one of his sermons was how Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Abba is near unto the brokenhearted. He feels your pain. He hears your cry. He attends to and mends your wounds. He comforts with his Holy Spirit. He empathizes with your losses. He applies the ointment of grace. He puts on to us bandages of love. He mends what's broken inside of us. Now these people had suffered many losses. Many of them had lost their homes. When they were carried away into exile, they had lost their city. They had lost their place of worship. They had lost their wealth. They had lost their protection. And they had lost their innocence. Unthinkable things were done unto them. But the Lord in His mercy had brought His people back to the land. He had gathered the exiles. And now He was healing their broken hearts and binding up their wounds. Our God is a healer. It's important when we suffered losses that we pay attention to our losses, that we grieve and mourn. But we also are mindful of how the Lord is coming to us and healing our brokenness. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The Lord himself is a builder, and the Lord is a healer. <laughs> and the Lord determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. What does the Lord determine? The Lord determines the number of stars in the sky. There's estimated now to be 350 billion galaxies, and the Lord made them all. Somebody tried to calculate this, the number of stars, and determined it was 10 to the 27th power. This past week, there was a meteor shower, Thursday morning at 4 a.m., near the constellation Leo. Anybody up for it? No. The Lord determined that there would be more stars in the sky than we can count. I love the scene of Abraham. Abraham was childless. And God said, go outside, Abraham, and count the stars if you can. So shall your descendants be. And this very day, worldwide, there are two billion descendants of Abraham we know of. And just as God knows the name of each star because he made it, the Lord also calls us by name. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. God is big enough to know each star by name. God is big enough to know every tree in the forest. God is big enough to know the name of every banana he made. He made hundreds of different kinds. God knows every apple he made, even when they don't know the name at the checkout counter. And God knows every person he made, and he calls us each by name. I love the fact that he calls each star by name, and God calls us by name. For great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. We talk about the greatness of an athlete. We talk about the greatness of a student's achievement. 
We talk about the greatness of an artist by their work. We talk about the greatness of a composer by their composition. But how shall we describe the greatness of our God? With whom shall you compare the greatness of God? The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The morning star. <laughs> to whom shall you compare him who is light, who is filled with compassion and gracious towards us, abounding in love and faithfulness? Whom will you compare God unto? He has power to deliver us from depression. He has power to deliver us from our pride. He has power to deliver us from despair. He has the power to deliver us from our eating disorders. He has the power to heal us from our abuse. Our God is a healing God, mighty in power. Our God is able to move mountains. Our God is able to move stones. Our God is mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. There is no limit to how much God understands. Now, we may not understand, but we trust in Him who understands all things completely. Great is our Lord, mighty in power, and His understanding has no limits. And the Lord sustains the humble. I love this part. Praise the Lord that He's a builder and a healer, and He determines, and He's great, but He's also a sustainer. Now, theologians will speak about prevenient grace. That is the kind of grace that God bestows upon us before we believe in Him. And then there is saving grace. Nobody comes into the kingdom but by receiving the grace of God. And then there is also the sustaining grace of God. Praise the Lord that He sustains us. He puts a roof over our heads. He puts food onto our tables. <laughs> He gives us clean water to drink. He empowers us to do our work. He helps us in the hard times. To the mother of the special needs child, the Lord sustains her and her child. To the soldier in a faraway place or perhaps in a hospital wounded, the Lord sustains. The Lord sustains the patient in the ICU, the student under pressure, the worker without job, They'll tell the story about God's sustaining grace, how God carried me through that hard time. The Lord sustains the humble, the teachable, but He casts the wicked to the ground. That's why He says in verse 7, So sing to the Lord with grateful praise. This psalm is a hallelujah, a hallelujah psalm. It was designed to be sung at the temple. The psalm would be recited and explained then the people would break out with song. So the very point of the psalm would be that the praise of God would begin to well up inside people's hearts for who He is. And they just want to praise Him. They want to sing to the Lord with grateful praise to make music to our God on the harp. And just as they sang then, we sing this morning. It's the Thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. 
He has made me glad, yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Amen. Gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Our God is worthy of this praise. And we need to... Rejoice in the Lord and to praise his name. For he covers the sky with clouds and supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass to grow on the hills and provides food for the cattle, even for the young ravens when they call. You ever taken notice of the sky? <laughs> we declare his love in the morning. We declare his faithfulness in the day. For his faithfulness reaches to the heavens. The sky itself can be clear and beautiful. The sky also can be covered with clouds. When the bodies of waters begin, to, the condensation pulls up and lifts, it forms clouds. Some of these clouds are cumulus kind of clouds. Some of these are storm clouds. But the clouds do not happen by accident. They serve a worthwhile purpose. The dark clouds produce rain. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. We praise the Lord for he is the giver of the cloud and the giver of the rain. And there are the early rains and the late rains that were so necessary for the crops to grow. The rains come from above because the Lord supplies his people with the rain necessary to make the grass grow. I just came back from North Carolina and down there there's many hills. They eat things like biscuits and grits and gravy in North Carolina country ham. And they also grow a lot of Christmas trees. And when it was raining the couple of days we were down there, they were very excited that the Douglas firs were being watered by the rains the Lord was sending. You see, it's not Mother Nature that makes it rain. It's Father God that makes it rain. He covers the sky with clouds. He sends the rains from the heavens. And he makes the grass to grow upon the hills. And he provides food for the cattle. Now we know the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But the cattle are largely forgotten by us. But the Lord is mindful of them. They are not forsaken or forgotten by God. God remembers them and sends the rains from heaven to take care of the cattle. And even the young ravens. Now we know about the Baltimore ravens. But the raven, as far as I can tell, is a pretty useless bird. Kind of hangs out in the cornfield and eats the corn bothers the other little birds. But the ravens, the least of all the birds, so to speak, the very ravens that took care of Elijah, the ravens, God takes care of them when they call. Perhaps that's why Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Consider the birds that God takes care of. They do not sow seeds. They do not reap a harvest. Yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. And you are much more important than they. The birds are important to God because God takes care of them. 
but you are the height of God's creation, and God takes care of you also. For the young ravens, when they call, his pleasure is not in the strength of a horse. His delight is not in the legs of a warrior. You see, the king going to battle would take great pleasure in the strength of his war horse. He would take great delight in the legs of his warrior, just like a football coach would take great delight in one of his running backs, the legs. Or a soccer coach would take great delight in the legs of one of his players. But ironically, the Lord does not take pleasure in the strength of a horse, nor in the legs of a warrior. But the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. So extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Jesus was walking along Galilee one day, and there were ten men who were there. And all of them were suffering from leprosy. To get leprosy was not good. It was like getting a death sentence. And all of these men would have been experiencing increasing desensitization of their extremities. There have been blotches all over their skin. They have been cast away from their families. Gradually over time, their eyebrows would have fallen off their fingers and toes. They were the outcasts of society. And they saw Jesus, and they said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon us. They had been to the doctors, and the doctors had not helped them. And so they reached out to Jesus and said, Son of David, have mercy upon us. And Jesus said, go, go to the priests. And as they went, the men went, they were suddenly healed of their leprosy. One of them being healed turned back to give praise to God because God deserved praise. God had taken this man from being diseased to being well, from being a leper to being cleansed. And he turned back to give thanks to God. He had a debt of gratitude. And when he came back, he fell at Jesus' feet, thanking him again and again for making him well. And Jesus said, were there not ten lepers? But there's only one of them who returned to give praise to God. And he said, go. Your faith has made you well. Some have translated the word faith in that episode as praise. Go, for your praise has made you well. Do you understand that the happiest people in the entire world, the most vibrant and alive, are those who know how to give thanks to God, who see the hand of God, who are giving attention to His goodness, to His generosity, to His compassion towards us, to His faithfulness to us in every situation, of how God has helped us through the trials we have passed through, the fiery furnace, and they return thanks unto God. That's why the call here was for to extol the Lord, O Jerusalem, and praise your God, O Zion. Can you imagine an entire city, in this case, Jerusalem, extolling and praising the Lord? The city awakening from her slumber. The city realizing the goodness of God. The, singing, the city shouting her praise to God. Can you imagine your city where you live giving praise to God, like Middletown awakening to the praise of God? 
Myersville, awakening to extol the Lord. Newmarket, waking up to praise the name of God. See, they came from all over into Jerusalem. And the call here was for them to extol the Lord, to praise the Lord throughout the city of Zion. So it seems to me the fitting thing to do for God's people is when God calls us to praise Him, to bring Him the praise, to bring Him the praise He deserves. So we're going to praise Him again. Right, Tom, on back. Let's praise Him. Stand with me. Raise your hands before the Lord. We exalt Thee. We exalt Thee. We exalt Thee. Oh, praise him for the 25 that came into the kingdom. The balloons celebrate. We praise him for Noah's Ark outside in our children's area for the kids to play with. We praise him for the leaders of our church who have labored hard. We praise the name of God. We praise God for each one of you. And something gets released in our souls when we praise the Lord. It's so good to sing praises to him. How fitting to praise the name of God. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheats. When he speaks about the bars of the gates being strengthened, the city would never be secure as long as the walls were down. But now the walls had been rebuilt. The temple itself was destroyed, but now the temple was being rebuilt. God strengthened the laborers to build the walls and to put the bars across the gate. The gate is the entry point into the city. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. The Lord had strengthened their city that now they could resound with praise to the Lord. And he blesses his people within you. What has been a blessing to you? How has the Lord blessed your life? We bless the Lord for he is the source of every blessing. We praise God from whom all the blessings flow. We extol the Lord for his goodness and generosity. For he opens up the windows of heavens. 
and pours out his blessings upon his people. A gift from his hand, whether it is large or small, causes us to well up with thanksgiving. He blesses our life with community, with people, with friends. He blesses us with his favor. He blesses us with health and with healing. He blesses us with food. He blesses us with housing, with roommates, with clothes, with encouragement. The Lord blesses us with comfort and with guidance. The Lord chooses to bless his people. And the response of a person who's been blessed is to well up with thanksgiving unto the Lord and sing praise to his name. For he grants peace within her borders, the shalom of God. The land had not known the peace of God. They had been invaded by their enemies and carried off in exile. And now he brought them back into the land and they were experiencing his peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. As I speak to you this morning, my own mother is not doing very well. She has an aneurysm in her aorta, and it's ever-widening. We've been talking through the week, and one of the characteristics of her life is that God has given her a great peace. In the midst of her trial, she's experiencing a peace from God. It doesn't matter the size of your trial. What matters is the size of your God. So don't be anxious in those moments, but in everything with prayers and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One young man, as he lay in the hospital, in the ICU, all kinds of you know, tubes running out of his body, said, I feel the peace of God surrounding me. I'm not worried about the outcome. I know that God is with me. And he satisfies you with the finest of wheats. <laughs> the Lord had covered the sky with the clouds and made the clouds heavy with the rain. Then the rains had fallen onto the land. The thirsty ground had soaked them in. And the land had become fertile, such that now the crops were productive. And they were waving these sheaves of wheat before the Lord, for their souls were satisfied with the goodness of God. <laughs> in America, there's three different kinds of thankfulness we typically have. The first of them is sort of a common courtesy. If you're thirsty and somebody gives you a glass of water, we typically say, thank you, or they hold the door for you. And then there is being in the hospital and somebody comes to see you, like a crisis, where we're thankful that someone came to us in our hour of distress. And then there is a seasonal thankfulness, like Thanksgiving time, before we partake of the dinner, we render thanks to God. But the kind of thanks we're talking about here is being attentive to the goodness of God and being thankful and letting our praise rise up to him. When you came in, you got a bulletin. I want you to open it now because there's a golden sheet of paper. We're going to take about five minutes and begin to write our praises to the Lord. <laughs> You may be a writer, or maybe you're not a writer. Maybe you've embraced the... <laughs> so you have to unpack these golden sheets. Some of you um, are journalers. And some of you never learned to journal. But you know, Thanksgiving is just right around the corner. And on Wednesday night, we're going to gather here in this place to render thanks to God. And I want you to take some time now to render thanks to God for how good He has been to you. 
we'll give you about five minutes. So enjoy writing your praises to the Lord. If you need a piece of paper, you need a pen, just put up your hand, we'll get one to you. We want you all to um, write your praises to the Lord. And these are for you to keep. Some of you are writing very furiously, and it's beautiful to see because there's things just flowing out of your hearts to God. My goodness, they're going to stop you. I'm simply going to pray and just give these things to God that we're writing as we close our service. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for each person who's here. Thank you, Lord, you're teaching us the language of praise. It's flowing from our lips through our fingertips, it's flowing on these pieces of papers be able to be spoken out loud to acknowledge your faithfulness to us, Lord. You are entirely good, and you have shown your goodness to us, your generosity. So many times you have helped us through the most difficult trials and tribulations. You have carried us when we could not carry ourselves. You have healed us. You have brought health to our lives. You've sustained us. You are our God that we praise on this morning. May we, Father, learn how to be grateful from the heart. May we learn to praise you in the good times and the bad, in the high moments and the low moments, when we're surrounded by family and friends and when we're all alone, when we're facing something that's very exciting or something very fearful. Teach us, Lord, the power of praise. Teach us to praise you from our hearts. Receive now these golden sheets of paper as an offering to you, Lord, for your goodness shown to us. We pray in Jesus' name.